All right. Uh, thank you so much, Pastor Paul, and good morning, everybody. My name is Pastor Matt, one of the uh, pastors on staff here, and I'm really excited to be able to share from God's Word with you this morning. I've really uh, loved this series that we've been in called uh, Divine Direction, talking about, I love how Pastor Jeff kicked it off, really, in ministry, uh, us as a staff. Probably the number one question we get asked from people in different ways are, what is God's will for my life? How do I know God's will for my life? And so this series has been answering that question, but it's not always as cut and dry as we'd like it to be. That's what we see in Scripture. And so week one, talking about who we are becoming is more important than what God wants us to do. God's much more interested in who we are becoming and why we want to do something. And in week two, talked about having the wisdom to discern. There's so many options. Most of you should remember all the Cheerios that were on the stage. It's so many options today, and we can think and get carried away. Well, what if this leads to this? I don't know. And so we need the wisdom that comes from God's Spirit to help us discern what God wants us to do. And also, we said that when we walk with the wise, we make wise decisions. When we walk with the foolish, we make foolish decisions. And so who we hang out with really also determines where we're going to end up. And last week, talking about trusting the process, which a few people came to me after service and said they loved the message Pastor Jeff preached last week on trusting the process, that God's will isn't always just about the destination. And a lot of times, there's going to be a predictable resistance. There are going to be obstacles that we face when we walk out God's will. So just because I'm having a hard time doesn't mean I'm out of God's will. It may actually mean that I'm in God's will. And so today, what we're talking about, we're talking about having the faith to start. Because for so many of us, so much of the time, it's the start that stops us. Hopefully, throughout this series, you've begun to develop a burden or where you are in your life. You're thinking about, hey, God, what do you have for me right now? But oftentimes, it's the start that stops us. And I was telling somebody at the beginning of service today that I thought I was going to have this message illustration to share with you today about how um, somebody reached out to me that I'm connected to and they had asked about doing a wedding ceremony and they don't really attend church, but I thought, hey, you know what, this could be a great opportunity for me to share about God. I'm going to meet with them. I'm going to talk to them. And so I, I called them. I said, hey, you know, if I do the wedding, I want to meet with you ahead of time, and I'm going to read from Scripture. I'm going to talk about how Christ has ordained marriage, and, and, and I talked about all this stuff with them on the phone, and uh, it kind of ended with... Um, all right, we'll get back to you. <laughs> so I, I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't think it's happening. And so, you know, what do you do when you want to follow God's will, but it doesn't seem to work out the way you want? You think, I'm going to make a stand for God. God, this is what you want for me. And then it doesn't really work the way you thought. You know, when it comes to following God's will, I think often fear, failure, and where our focus is, is what keeps us from following God's will. Right, of course, fear. We're afraid of things not working out. We're afraid to take that step. We're afraid of change. Lord, if I do this, what are people going to think of me? Lord, if I give to you, what kind of situation is that going to make for me? You know, I'm afraid. I've never done this before. What kind of path does this lead down? If I invest in this, what if it's a mistake? So we're afraid. Also, our failure, we're afraid of failure, we're afraid it's not going to work, but also even our past failures. 
our past sin. God, there's no way this is going to work. Lord, I tried in the past. You know, maybe even like, I, I've tried to eat healthy. You know, I didn't see any results. I tried working out, right? You, you, you can feel that way. It didn't work in the past, so why would it work now? And I usually like to share about how, you know, most of the time when somebody will tell me something, I'll say, hey, you know, let me pray with you. I'll pray with you right now if you want. And usually people say yes, and it's, and it's great. But, you know, sometimes people have shared stuff with me. They've been emotional right, somewhere. You know, this is what I'm going through. It's really difficult. And I'll say, hey, well, I want to pray with you. Let's pray right now. And they say, no. No, don't pray for me. And so you could say, well, well why would I do that? Why, why would I offer to pray for somebody? Why would I do that? Because it didn't work. Maybe you tried praying for somebody and it seemed like your prayers weren't answered. And so following God's will, fear, failure, and also where our focus is. Our focus can often be on ourselves, on our own abilities, or our own inability to do something. Lord, I can kind of see the divine direction you have for me. I can kind of see how you could use me, or I feel my heart going this way, but Lord... I mean, come on, you know me. I can't do this. There's no way I have the talents or the skills or the time or the education. I don't have the build. I'm not built the right way for this, God. I'm nobody special. This isn't really my gifting. So how do we gain the faith to start? And today, the scripture that I want to look at today, there's somebody who was in this exact same situation that God revealed his divine direction for this person's life, but they lacked the faith to start. This is one of the most famous stories in all of Scripture. This is a story that even if you're not a Christian or didn't grow up in church, you've probably heard of it before. And I'm talking about Moses and the burning bush. Really famous story in Scripture. Moses is probably like top five most famous people in all of history. He's probably the most famous person from the Bible besides Jesus. I mean, the miracles that Moses did, the way that he encountered God's presence, the legacy that he left behind, that that goes all throughout the rest of the Bible. In fact, the traditional view is that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. How important of a person do you have to be to write the beginning of the Bible? He's a really big deal. There's, There's nobody that's bigger than Moses except Probably Jesus, right? If there's anyone who knows something about following God's will, it's Moses. But as it turns out, when God first revealed his will to Moses, Moses lacked the faith to start. But what's really cool about this burning bush encounter is that we get a picture into what God said to Moses. When Moses heard God's will and he was afraid to take a step, the Lord spoke to him. And Moses wrote this down so that you and I could see what God spoke to him and so that we could gain the faith to start the divine direction that God has for each of our lives. And uh, so I just want to show you where we are. You know, the Bible covers a vast period of time, a couple of thousands of years. So just want to help us get our bearings where we are in the Bible We're in the book of Exodus, which is the second book of the Bible. So we're going all the way towards the beginning. And so what happened in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, God makes a promise to Abraham. He says, Abraham, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. You're going to be the father of many nations, right? 
and he comes out of his, his homeland, and, and he's going to go to this new land that God has for him. Eventually, his family grows, but because of a famine, they leave and they go to Egypt. And so the book of Exodus opens up that while they were in Egypt, the Hebrew people had become enslaved by the Egyptians, and they were slaves for hundreds of years. And so finally, God called Moses and said, Moses, you're going to let my people go. You're going to free them. And then, of course, he does rescue them from slavery. And then the Bible goes on to talk more about how the nation of Israel was established. And then we get to King David a thousand years later and, and, and more of the history of the Bible. So that's where we are. We're in the beginning. And we're looking at the call of Moses. That's what we're looking at this morning. And I, I have to do this. I just, I just get so excited about these things. And, uh, you know, if, if you know me a little bit, you know that I like this kind of stuff. I just want to share this with you. I get excited about biblical archaeology. You know, um, some of the critical position, one critical position to the Bible, it's called biblical minimalism. That when we read about the Exodus, we read about the Israelite people, you know, that probably never really happened. Uh, You know, the Israelite people really weren't formed until probably around King David's time, uh, give or take a thousand years or more after this event in time. And so, you know, really... Uh, th- this is part of their national story that was probably, uh, you know, mythicized, invented for them uh, to, to feel better about how God, you know, worked. That's a very critical position. But uh, this was recently rediscovered. It was discovered around the turn of the century, but it was kind of uh, brought back to prominence about 10 years ago. Uh, it was discovered by Dr. Titus Kennedy. He's a biblical archaeologist. This was discovered in modern-day Sudan. It would have been part of Egypt at the time, and these are Egyptian hieroglyphics. And as part of these pillars, they talk about different people groups that Egypt was associated with. And one of these pillars talks about the nomads of Yahweh, the nomads of Yahweh. And this dates to 1400 B.C., which is the biblical timeline of the book of Exodus. What, are, what nomads worshipped Yahweh in 1400 B.C.? The ones... The Israelites, the ones that the Bible talks about. And so I bring that up to you to say the Bible knows what it's talking about every single time. Everything we dig up continues to confirm the scriptures. It's crazy. And I bring that up because of this. We're going to read this story about Moses and the burning bush today. And it is true. We're going to learn something. I I hope. I hope you learn something. But this is more than just a story with a lesson. It's not just an anecdote. Because if it was, I could just probably make something up from my life and I could tell you what the lesson is. This is the divine word of God. And it has power to change your life. This isn't just a story. If you'll allow God to speak to your heart this morning, he will help you to gain the faith to start with the divine direction that he has for your life. And so we pick up Moses' story in Exodus chapter 3. We're going to be in chapter 3 and chapter 4. If you have a Bible, you want to open it up, you can go there. And if you're familiar, again, uh, most of us are probably familiar with Moses' story. He was a Hebrew slave. He was born a Hebrew slave, but he grew up as an Egyptian. His mom hid him away. He was in a basket in a river. That's what Moses comes from. Perhaps the Egyptians even thought that this was a gift from the gods. They knew he was a Hebrew, but wow, look what the river gave us. So he was raised in Egyptian royalty. But eventually he murders an Egyptian for mistreating a Hebrew slave, and now He's on the run for his life, and he flees to the desert. He sinks really low, because for 40 years, he goes on the run. 
He's in the desert. He becomes a shepherd, which is regarded a low profession, and he works for his father-in-law. Maybe it was the only job he could get. And you know, you might feel that way as we go to unpack the scripture today. Moses wasn't using his college degree, what he had hoped it was for. He had that Egyptian education. That's not what he was doing as a shepherd. Maybe you feel like you're ashamed of your past. You're trying to let it go. You're trying to forget about it. Maybe you feel like your expectations weren't met when it comes to your career or your family or a relationship. Moses was afraid to face his family. He was afraid to face his people. He was afraid to face the people that he came from. Maybe you're just waiting for a change to take place. You know maybe God has something else for you, but you have no clue how you're going to get there. So you kind of feel frozen and stuck. And that's where Moses was. And so you got to picture this. Moses, he's taking care of his father's flock, and he climbs. He's going into this mountain, and he sees this bush that's burning, but it's not consumed. It's an amazing sight. And he goes to investigate And he hears the voice of God speak to him. He has this amazing encounter with God. And the Lord told him, I have seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. They were in slavery for a couple of hundred of years. I don't know about you. I I never had to wait a couple hundred years for God to answer my prayers. So, I mean... Puts it in a little perspective. But he says, I'm aware. I have a plan. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians. To lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. I've heard their cry. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Well, this is awesome. Because now Moses knows the divine direction for his life. I know what your will is, God. I know exactly what it is. You want me to go to Egypt, free your people, and lead them into a new promised land. Wow, couldn't be more clear. God told him what to do. But Moses lacks the faith to start. In verse 11, it says, Moses protested to God, who am I? To appear before Pharaoh. Who am I to lead the people out of Egypt? I could never do this, God. He's limited by his fear, his failure, and where his focus is. But in this conversation with God, I believe that there are three, they're very clear to me. They come right, I feel this is right out of the scripture. There are three truths that God immediately says to Moses. There are three truths that God gives Moses to help him to gain the faith to start. And then from this too, then I think there are also three tips we can learn from Moses. And so first, let me give you the three truths that God gives Moses. The first one is this, that God will be with you. When it comes to walking out the divine direction for your life, know that God will be with you. Moses says, you know, who am I to do this, God? I heard what you want to do through me, but there's no way I could do it. But the first thing that God says to him, God answered, I will be with you. Sometimes when it comes to walking out the divine direction for our life, simply knowing that God is with us is all that we need to know. 
We may not know the obstacles that lie ahead. We may not know how all the pieces fit together, but simply knowing that God is with us can make all the difference. I shared this a couple weeks ago on a Wednesday night. This is a scarf that I got in Israel, and I was so excited to get it. It's just I got it in Jerusalem, uh, just, you know, very Middle Eastern looking, and, and I haggled for it. That's part of what you do when you go there. It's part of the expectation in the shops is you're supposed to uh, go back and forth. You don't just accept the price for what they give it to you. But for us, like Westerners, that's like so, like, weird. It's so, like, how much is that? Like, this was, I think, $30 at first. It was like $30. I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay, like, <laughs> what do you do, you know? And so sometimes, so for me, the first time I ever had to do this was I was on a mission trip in Guatemala, and, I, you know, there's some little things I wanted, or get, get this for somebody, and, and this is $6, this is, you know, $30, and I don't know what to do, but one of the pastors on the trip, Pastor Lance, this guy was a master, a master at it. He was so great. So what all, all I did was I just took him everywhere, anywhere I wanted to go and buy something, I just had Pastor Lance behind me, and I was like, hey, uh, you know, these, these are a couple of things I want to get. He's like, all right, give, just give it to me. And the shop owner saw what's going down. He goes, all right, my friend here, he wants to buy this, he wants to buy this. What can you do for him? No, that's not good enough. Okay, you know what? I'm going to get this. You, you reduce the price, and he, you know, he was just so good at it. He was a master at it, and, uh, you know, if we, when those of us go to Israel, we're going to do that. And so sometimes simply having somebody with you or somebody who knows what they're doing can make all the difference. And so when it comes to the divine direction, how do we gain the faith to start? If I know I'm going in God's will, knowing that he's with me can give me the faith to start. But not only that, what God has called you to, he will help you with. What God has called you to, he will help you with. But not only that, God is with you. We also see this, God goes before you. God goes before you. I think this is the second truth we see from this conversation. God goes before you. And last week, Pastor Jeff talked about a predictable resistance. When you walk out God's will, you're going to face an obstacle. That's what happened to Paul. That's what happened to basically everyone in the Bible is there's going to be a problem. There's going to be something. But God already knows. This is exactly what happened to Moses. His life didn't get easier because he followed God's will. It got harder. And so look, yeah, what he says, he says, I know the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand forces him. So I will raise my hand and strike the Egyptians, performing all kinds of miracles among them. Then at last he will let you go. And so God is sending Moses out knowing that it's not going to work. Moses is like, God, what if this doesn't work? God's like, yeah, it's not going to work at first. But I already know that. I go before you. I know exactly what we need to do to work on Pharaoh's heart and make my plan come to fruition. And so guess what, Moses? All I need you to do is have the faith to start. Just trust me. Just say yes. Just go for it because I go before you. And just one example that I think of for me is, uh, you know, for a couple of years, you know, even before I started here at this church, I've had a burden to be involved in, uh, in the community that I minister in. That's just been important to me. Uh, you know, personally, I've wanted to be involved, but even more than that, I've wanted the church that I'm part of to be involved in the community. I felt this way for a long time. And so when I started here, I, I explained this to Pastor Jeff and, and, you know, I just said it to him. And uh, Pastor Jeff has been very involved in the community for many years. 
And so Pastor Jeff, a, couple, a little bit after I told him that, he made a few phone calls, and suddenly I found myself in a couple different committees. Now I'm on three different committees right now from Pastor Jeff just making a few phone calls. I'm on the clergy association, so with all the other churches in, in the area. I also um, am part of Open Door Food Pantry, and I represent the clergy, and I also represent our church. And I'm also on the Human Relations Council for Freehold Township. That's Pastor Jeff was the chair of the Human Relations Council for 25 years. And so now I'm in these township meetings, and the mayor is sitting next to me. And the mayor, the other day, like the last two times I was in the meeting, she goes, you know what, Matt, why don't you run the meeting? She's like, why, why, why don't you take care of this? I'm like, what is happening? You know? So Pastor Jeff has gone before me. I, I call Pastor Jeff. We've had a couple things come up. And I said, well, how, how do you handle this? Like, what do you say in a situation like this? And Pastor Jeff knows because he's gone before me. And so God goes before us. When it comes to the divine direction, God, how is this going to work? I, I don't know what to say. I don't know if I have the ability. God goes before us. So God is with us. God goes before us. And I think the third truth that God gives to Moses to help him to gain the faith to start is that God will be glorified. If you go back to the first answer he gives Moses to comfort him, he says, I will be with you, and this is your sign that I'm the one that has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. It's all about God's will, God's plan, the divine direction for my life. I think a lot of the times when we say, you know, God, what's your will? I just want to know what God's will is. How do I know if I'm in God's will? I think a lot of the time what we really mean by that question is, I just want to know that every decision I make will always be the right one and God will have his stamp of approval on my life and give me as much money as possible and as much health as, po- as long as possible. What's your will, God? Th- th- that's sometimes the attitude underneath. And that's natural. But we're talking about the divine direction, God's will for our lives, God's plan for each of our lives. You know, even when it comes to ministry in Vienna, hearing you share about what God is doing in your life, it's about God. You don't gain anything for going to Algeria. It's about God's will for your life. That's what you're doing. You're sacrificing for the Lord. And, you know, people sometimes, I think the longer you're in ministry, the more you realize how it's just not about you when you're young. You're like, I want that microphone. I want the platform. I want to be important. But God didn't give Moses a platform because, so Moses could feel good. God's people were in slavery. And so God said, I have a plan. I need to set them free. Hey, Moses, I need to use you. And so the divine direction for your life, it's probably about somebody else. And it's definitely for the glory of God. How do I gain the faith to start? God gives us those amazing truths to give us the faith to start. I'm with you. I go before you, and I will be glorified. So this is great. We know this. This is all in chapter 3. So chapter 4 starts, and Moses says, okay, great. But still, God, like, what if it doesn't work? (laughs) He keeps saying it. keeps coming back. I don't know if it's going to work, God. Like, how do I really do this thing? I'm going to go to Israel. Are they even going to believe me? You know, I don't know if it's going to work. And this is what... God says to Moses, I believe it's the same thing he says to you today. God says, what's in your hand? What is in your hand? 
Lord, how do I start? God, I don't know how you're going to use me. What do you think I should do? God says, what's in your hand? Lord, what's your will for my life? Uh, What should I be doing in the next 10 years? What's in your hand? Let's use that. That's what God says to Moses. You know, we, we can see everything that we don't have. We can see everything that we think is going to go wrong. Moses, he's like, I don't have an army. How am I going to lead a couple million people out of Egypt? That's not going to work. I'm not a warrior, God. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm nobody special. I'm not a great public speaker, Lord. I'm actually a wanted killer, by the way. I'm a felon. We can think about all the things we don't have. But God simply just says, hey, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? It's the same question that God asks you today. What is in your hand? God is ready to use us. Instead of focusing on what we don't have, what is it that we do have that God wants to use? It's not about how good we are. It's about how good God is. And so as he asks Moses, what's in your hand? Here are the three tips that I see for how to get the faith to start. How, you know, how do I start to walk out this divine direction? These are the three tips that I see God uh, give to Moses. First is this, focus on what's in front of you. As God says, what's in your hand? Focus on what's in front of you. God revealed his will to Moses. He says, this is what I want you to do. You're going to lead people out of slavery. He says, what's in your hand? And Moses, what did he have? He had a shepherd's staff. I think these slides are a little mixed up. Let me see here. Wait, I think this is going to make more sense. There we go. I'm sorry. These are the three tips I'll give them to you right now. It's uh, start small, focus on what's in front of you, and um, focus on what's in front of you, and do the next right thing. Those are the three tips that we see from Moses. So if we're a little mixed up, we'll, we'll figure it out. So in, uh, in chapter 4, that's how Moses starts. You know, how's this going to work? God says, what's in your hand? And Moses says, a shepherd's staff. So let's, let's start small with a shepherd's staff. And so a shepherd's staff, it's not really that exciting. It's something you can, you know, corral sheep with. And maybe if there's an enemy, you can, like, beat it back. And that's about it. It's just some walking stick that he happened to have on him. It's not that special. And Moses was a shepherd for 40 years at this point in his life, Moses is 80 years old. You know, I was talking to somebody today that said they're 89, they're going to be 90. And you know what? Moses was 80 years old. God said, hey, we're just getting started. <laughs> and so what's in your hand? It's a shepherd's staff. 40 years? How many staffs did he go through? Again, it's just some stick. It's nothing special. But God says we can use it. Uh, start small with the shepherd's staff in front of you. Moses may say, Lord, I don't see how this is going to lead three million people out of Egypt. I don't see how this is going to persuade Pharaoh to do anything. I'm not really sure how this staff's going to absolve me of my past. But God tells him to start small. We get carried away thinking of what we can't do. But God is able to use this staff to convince the elders of Israel that God appeared to Moses He's able to use this staff, this just stick in Moses' hand, to persuade Pharaoh to let God's people go. He uses this staff to do miracles and split the sea open so that God's people could walk across on dry land. God just says, what's in your hand? Start small. What's in front of you? And so what is in your hand? It may be small, but what's in your hand? 
You know, it may not be a staff. Maybe, you know what this is? This is a broomstick, by the way. So maybe it's a broom. Maybe that's what you do as part of your job. Maybe you're a janitor at a school or something. What's in your hand? Maybe you're thinking about, I don't have the education. I don't have the experience. But I have a computer mouse. That's in my hand. You know, I, I could probably do some stuff with that. I could do some design stuff. I could post some things. I have a computer mouse. For me, for a long time, what was in my hand? It was an apron. And I wasn't happy about it. I worked as a barista for a while, lot longer than I wanted to. But that's what was in my hand. So I had relationships. I had influence. That wedding I talked about earlier, it's because I did one for somebody that I worked with. Don't think about what you don't have. Think about what you do have. What is in your hand? You might be here and you're retired. Say, man, I'm getting older. I I don't know if I really have anything to give. Moses was 80 years old. And if you're retired, you probably, you know what you have? You have time. You have some time. You say, I don't know if I have the same kind of energy. Well, you have time. Maybe you, you can invest in the next generation. Maybe you're here, you own your own business. Say, the last thing that I have is time. What's in your hand? You know what you do have? You have resources. You have relationships, influence, connections. What's in your hand? God, what's your will for my life? What's in your hand? Let's start small. Let's start with that. You're a homeowner. Maybe you just bought a house. You're like, I have no extra money lying around. Well, you know what? Maybe you can host a life group. What is in your hand? So God says, uh, so that's the first tip. Start small. Uh, I'm going to go back here. Let's see. The next one is to focus on what's in front of you. Focus on what's in front of you. What's in your hand? Focus on what's in front of you. So we see what God says to Moses. What's in your hand? A shepherd's staff. And what's he say? Throw it on the ground. And so Moses throws it down, the staff on the ground. And what happens to it? Becomes a snake. Oh my gosh. And then what does God say? All right, reach down, pick it back up from the tail. He picks it up and it becomes a staff again. That's crazy. So we already talked about the staff is nothing important. Okay, start small. Now focus on what's in front of you. Uh, pick up the snake on the ground, Moses. That's all I need you to do. Well, first thing, uh, that's scary. Okay, <laughs> that's the first thing. Second thing, uh, you know, if you go to pick up a snake, you don't want to start with the tail. That's the worst place to pick up a snake. It's going to turn around and bite you. But God says, hey, pick up the, the snake from the tail. Okay, I know what I'm talking about here. I need you to trust me. God, how am I going to lead three million people? How am I going to convince Pharaoh? You know what? Just focus on what's in front of you. Pick up the snake the way I told you to. Let's try that one first, okay? He picks up the snake from the tail, and it becomes a staff again. You know, the snake symbolized power in Egypt. In fact, have you ever seen a picture of Pharaoh's crown? What's it got on there? A little snake, right? And so as Moses focuses on what's in front of him, as he learns how to handle the snake the way that God tells him to, he's going to learn how to speak to Pharaoh the way that God tells him to, and to let his people go, to lead millions of people to freedom. Just focus on what's in front of you, what's in your hand. God, what's your will? What's in your hand? And so how can you focus on what's in front of you? You know, for a lot of us in the room, it could be the case that we could just be more vocal about being a Christian. God, what's your will? God, what's your will? God, I would do it if you would just tell me. Maybe we just need to let people know that we serve God. 
You know, you, maybe you come to church, but there's people that you work with, they, they really don't know that you're even a Christian. And so, you know, it's not popular to be a Christian, or it's becoming less popular at least. And so maybe it's just bringing it up. Hey, how was your weekend? Hey, uh, it was great. You know, I had a great time uh, connecting with some people at church. You know, maybe you just bring it up real quick. You know, you don't have to go crazy. But maybe just letting people know. Maybe just volunteering. Focus on what's in front of you. You feel like, I feel like God's kind of telling me, like, I just got to branch out and make some new friendships and relationships. Great. Church is like an excellent place to do that, you know. Why don't you uh, help out on a team, a serve team somewhere. You're going to make some new friendships. Get in a life group. Volunteer somewhere. Maybe invite somebody to trunk retreats coming up at the end of October. Say, hey, we do this every year. It's a lot of fun. For We take the kids every year, and it's a really safe place. And why don't you come with me? It'll be fun. Our families can hang out. Just invite somebody to trunk or treat. Host or lead a life group. Give above and beyond to missions. Maybe for some of us, it's simply just being a person of our word. When I say I'm going to do something, I'm, I'm going to do it. Focus on what's in front of you. And so those, uh, the three tips Start small, focus on what's in front of you. And the third one is this. Do the next right thing. Do the next right thing. Proverbs 16.9, it says that a man, we make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Do the next right thing with what's in front of you. And I've heard it said, Mark Batterson is a pastor in Washington, D.C. He has said, uh, you know what, all that takes is 10 seconds of insane courage. You know, you don't need the faith to start. Lord, how am I going to manage, uh, you know, million, 3 million people over the next 40 years? It's okay, we don't need to worry about that. All you need sometimes is the faith just to start, just to say yes. And if you do the next right thing today, and you do the next right thing tomorrow, and you say, God, what's your will? Let me say yes to you today, yes tomorrow, yes next week. The more that I do that, then I'll be doing the right thing. I'll be in God's will. God starts with what's in your hand. We know, uh, Romans eight twenty eight. we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. We don't have to see how all the pieces fit together. We just have to trust God. And so Moses was a shepherd for 40 years. He probably got pretty good at it. And I'm sure shepherding those sheep came in handy when it came to shepherding God's people. Moses was raised the first 40 years of his life as an Egyptian, being educated in their ways, being raised in Egyptian royalty. I'm sure that came in handy when it came to writing the first five books of the Bible. God is able to use all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. What is in your hand. Be faithful where you are. I want to invite Pastor Bonnie to come up front. Someone asked, once asked Mother Teresa, you know, how did you, I read this the other day, how did you, uh, how did God call you to serve the poor? And she replied by saying, I was not called to serve the poor. Rather, I was called to serve Jesus. And he led me here. So how do we gain the faith to start? We know that it's God who is with us. God goes before us and God will be glorified. It's about his will for our lives. We don't have to let fear, failure, or where our focus is limit or distract us from walking out God's will. And so what's in your hands? How do I gain the faith to start? Hey, start small. Focus on what's in front of you. 
then do the next right thing. Just do the next right thing. What's the next right thing that God wants you to do today, this week? And so here's what I want to do uh, for the next couple of minutes as we close. I want to give us a few moments for the Holy Spirit to speak to us. As I've just done a lot of speaking. Let's allow the Spirit of God to speak to us about what's in our hand, about what it looks like to start small, what the next right thing looks like for you today. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, as Pastor Bonnie plays, ask the Holy Spirit now, if you haven't already, if something hasn't already come to mind, Holy Spirit, what do you want to use in my life? Don't think about what you don't have. Well, how's that going to work? I don't have the ability. No. What's in your hand?